പോളണ്ടിൽ എന്ത് സംഭവിച്ചു പോളണ്ടിനെ പറ്റി നീ ഒരക്ഷരം മിണ്ടരുത് ഹലോ കാത്രിൻ ഹായ് ഹർഷ So we were talking about terrorism in Canada and the United States and democracy and things like that. A lot of these movies that we're watching this week are, you know, Kashmiram is the only movie among this group that I've seen before. I, I'm familiar with Kashmiram and Sharavanjiram, the Jayan film. For the first time, I was watching Jayan movies. A lot of my life and my experience with Malayalam movies centers on the economic liberalization that happened in the late 80s and early 90s. and so to see movies that were made in a time period before that is so interesting and you know we're talking about things like emergency you know where india wasn't a democratic country for a little bit and some of these movies are made in that milieu so it's really interesting to come to these movies as somebody who grew up knowing india as a democratic nation but really kind of realizing now that I go back on some of the artwork made around that period that democracy in India is still very young and to be able to see art made in a non-democratic context is always very interesting because you know movies are maybe more than any other form of popular culture are such a mirror to the way society looks at itself and so we you know we, we often get smuggling very ordinary goods as like a plot theme in these movies in these action movies so yeah we are starting uh our second episode about action movies and after after talking half an hour about politics back channel which is always the, the you know an interesting part of what we do this this week we're do we're looking at two actors who are probably firm like we we started with Mohanlal Mamuti who do action films as part of their massy hero persona but that's not all they do but Jayan and Suresh Gopi the two actors we're going to look at today are sort of firmly considered primarily action stars exactly Suresh Gopi just because of his longevity in the industry and knock on wood the you know longer life he's had than Jen has had time to be more than an action star you know he's he's been a national award winner of um, you know playing a kathakali dancer so he's had a he has a much bigger career than his action movies but what he became a star for were these police action movies and so or military action movies so we're going to start off with Kashmiram has 1994 release which was actually also one of the first movies i remember actually watching and suresh gobi imbued a very definite idea of masculinity from this movie that i always had a crush on him when i was a little kid i was like that's what a man should be and so yeah i can go over the plot or you can i'm at a huge disadvantage this week because three of the films we watched were not subtitled one one of the things i find really interesting with both of these actors is every time i look for something that's considered their best um that exemplifies what they did best i either cannot find it at all or if i can find it there are no subtitles so we're really in a a, a place here where i'm at a disadvantage so i will let you summarize kashmiram is it's a very classic guy is sent to protect a family and there's a terrorist because the family is politically prominent and the the matriarch of the family is is a judge who's supposed to deliver a verdict on a very important case so the indian government sends black cats commandos to protect this family and they aren't very grateful for the protection they kind of talk down to him because they think he's like the muscle and through the story basically he proves his courage and nobility and saves their lives and it's a very classic story you know we uh, we have a million of these on hollywood you know olympus has fallen white house down all of these movies are basically you you know any movie where a secret service agent has to protect the president this is very much in that vein and suresh gobi I feel like maybe this was this might have been the definite movie in his filmography that made him an action star 
Don't quote me on that, but I feel like this might have been his, yeah, I think this might have been the, if not the first movie where he gets to play, uh, hit movie that where he gets to play a policeman or a military guy. I see that he's had a few more IPS roles in 1993. So, Ekelevian and City Police, Mafia. So, maybe I'm wrong about that, but this is from maybe one of the f- uh, movies that uh, is most memorable in my mind from his filmography as the start of Suresh Gobi action star. Well, and one of the things that struck me, again, I watched it with those subtitles, but one of the things that did strike me was that the family's constant pushing against him trying to restrict their lives is actually, you know, something we're very much living through these days, where we have this constant tension with how do we best protect ourselves and what are the the lines around that protection? How much freedom, in quotes, are we are we prepared to give up? Yeah, it's a very messy movie. I I think it's a fun movie to watch. I really enjoy Priya Raman in this. She plays kind of a spoiled brat daughter of the judge, who is played by the great actor Sharada. And it's very nice to see her playing this kind of, even though she, you know, she, much like her, she's also a bit, you know, straining against Suresh Gobi's restrictions. She gets to play a very dignified role, and I enjoyed that about this movie as well seeing her in those judge outfits was very nice I was like that's a good look for her my like very strong image of her is when she's very young playing like heroine roles to you know Prem Nasir and then when she's older playing like a mother or grandmother so to to get her in this in this part of her career is very nice and an important character too a judge in this terrorism case yes it's not a it's absolutely not a disposable character she's very core to this movie and i feel like some of these early 90s movies i i'm the women even you know in these movies that are soaked in patriarchy i still feel like there's some presence of very strong female characters in a way that compared to some of the movies that we're looking at prior to the 80s we're, we st- we don't see that many female characters with as strong agencies as we're seeing in these early 90s movies also i'll say the songs in this movie are really fun and i, I and i think they're really enjoyable good soundtrack yeah no i agree with that and what what i find fascinating is in the particularly in the choices we made for suresh gopi again limited by by me let's face it but i do i do find actually for both of these actors i find yes there is some action but there's long stretches in the film where there there isn't a lot of action and it's more things are defined by their on-screen presence how they physically hold themselves, their voice, their attitude. There's there's something about these two actors that despite, you know, long stretches without action, you still you still feel this I, I anyway had this real belief in them as action stars. Yeah, I think with Suresh Gobi, there's a certain demeanor he adopts in his action movies that is very different than what he does in in his more ordinary man roles and and, you know mimicry artists have for decades now imitated that you know like him shoving his like fist I mean his hand down and saying shit as like a condensation of what his action man persona is it's also the so much English he talks every time there's like he has to convey anything like a punch dialogue it's always in English those are kind of the classic Swedish Gobi tropes and you know you can see that in this movie very clearly and I found the climax like really I mean there's where we get the action film if you are an action fan, you got it in the last 10 or 15 minutes or so of this film where Suresh Gopi and his the soldiers under him are going after this terrorist base. And, you know, things explode and things go flying. And there's lots of red dust in the air. It's very artistically done. Yeah, I was looking at the... Um outfits the Pashtun outfits the Patani outfits that all the terrorists are wearing and I'm like this is such a you know this movie could have been made in the post 9-11 period in America as well Uh, it's it's extremely racist and it makes all these political points that kind of uphold the Indian state as this big holy thing and people who are in 
conflict with the Indian state as you know the bad guys we see this throughout the 90s because it's a constant issue there's a great article that we'll link to in the podcast about about Dilse maybe you've read this research article about how in Dilse the south as represented by Preeti Zinta navigates itself with the center i.e. Delhi um, in a much more productive way than you know the northeast or Kashmir parts of the country that are very much in armed conflict with the center so that's one of the concerns you see addressed in this movie and people from the south here are kind of putting themselves as part of the center they're, you know different they're saying that there's no difference between the power center in Delhi and us as Malayali. So it's a very jingoistic film. There were actually long, long stretches of Hindi in this film, which I understand a lot more than I do Malayalam. We've talked about the reasons for that too. So there were moments where I kind of was like, okay, I get what's going on now. Well, I was thinking that that kind of statement that this is, we Malayalis are no different from the center of the country, country is... I don't know if Malayalam cinema can truthfully make a statement like that. Maybe somebody like Major Ravi, who is so much associated with military service, might make a film like that. But I don't think there's any sense in Malayalam cinema that the interests of Kerala or Malayalis is the same as the center at this point. And, you know, the, the distance has grown so much in the almost three decades since this movie has come out. And it's it's very interesting to think about and respect retrospect and it's a very specific time of national unity with the south in this movie and Priya Raman who's very beautiful and I really enjoy her in this movie she's very sassy and like a typical like spoiled girl (laughs) I admit to being slightly frustrated because I was like the dude is here for your safety damn it (laughs) but then you know if they listened to him there would be no movie and yet and yet I do understand it on some level. Like I do, I, I think if I were in the same situation, I would be pushing, maybe not as badly, but I would be pushing back too. I think, uh, we, I mean, the motivations uh, of all these characters in this movie are pretty understandable. Madhubal plays this sort of duplicitous character that Priya Raman's character Manasi is in love with. This might be one of his more memorable movies. You know, these days, maybe most people know him as a director and a screenwriter more than as an actor. He's con- he's a fairly thoughtful guy, but he t- ends up playing these kind of creepy villain dudes in earlier movies. But yeah, I really enjoy him as a director and a writer. Another person who has who kind of I feel made his uh, made his mold in Malayalam movies with this movie. Any other thoughts? No, obviously you can you can feel me going silent. As I said, I'm at a real disadvantage today, particularly when we get to Prabhu. I'm like, okay, but we've we've chosen. Well, this was my choice, and this was me desperate for subtitles. I've written down that it's a 2017 film. It's a 2007 film directed by K. Madhu, Nadia Kolapetarachi. Yep, and actually, I would argue that even though this is a technically a Suresh Gobi movie, that the main character is Kavya Madhavan's Nadia. Well, and that's another reason why I was kind of interested in it because she she plays a dual role, twin sisters, uh, one of whom is a dancer and Nadia of the title, who's a sharpshooter. And we get into some of the reasons in the film, you know, how she becomes a sharpshooter. But it's also kind of an Agatha Christie-esque setup where they're on this train, the Soparnika Express, and three, uh, not three murders, three attacks take place. One of them on Nadia's character who is stabbed. She survives, but she's in hospital on life support. And there are two other characters, um, a dancer and um, a TV reporter, both women, who are actually killed on the train. And Suresh Gopi's character is an encounter specialist from the RACT, the Railway Anti-Criminal Task Force. Please tell me this doesn't really exist. <laughs> Every t- So an encounter specialist is like a glorified movie term it does exist but it's basically encounters are extrajudicial killings so what are, if they're specialists they're a specialist for doing something extremely illegal and i know there are some police officers who are known for that 
basically breaking the law. But the rat, when the first, like, a police officer, Alexander, calls it a rat or cat or whatever, I was like, I was like, that's exactly what it sounds like. They keep saying they're from the rat. And it's a very silly name. The way they say it makes it sound like it's very impressive sounding, but it does sound like they're here from the rat. Um, <laughs> well, and, and it's supposed to sound impressive. It's it's But when you strip it down, it's like, dudes, you work for the railway and you're investigating a crime. Yeah, so this is the railway police. It's not, It's really not as cool as they're making it sound. And the minute, you know, we they're in the in the train and they start explaining the, you know, limited number of characters that this issue is going, this story is going to involve. I was like, this is so Agatha Christie. This is based on like an Agatha Christie novel, right? And then I looked it up and obviously it was. So this has very classic Agatha Christie, you know, limited number of suspects. And then like everybody kind of has a little version of their truth and the hero Poirot in the original Suresh Gobi from Racked in the movie is his job is to basically uncover and make very pompous speeches. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And this one is less about action and more about that style and that persona. Although he gets, you know, an action hero introduction in the, in the beginning when they're, they're fighting with guys on a train. And actually probably Kavya Madhavan gets more action to do than Suresh Gobi does in this movie. The sort of, climactic fight is actually got to do with her than him yeah again one one of the reasons that I found the film kind of interesting although I I put it on thinking okay it has subtitles and this will be good and then I was watching it going wait a minute I've seen this before and I had seen it unsubtitled on Asianet and I was actually feeling pretty grateful that I had understood and remembered much of it without subtitles so there's hope for me yet um, one of the one of the things I do like about this film is his character, Sorishkopi's character, Shorfuddin, has colleagues that work with him. So he's got Sudarshan, played by Shami Tilakan, and he's got Selvan, played by Joju George. A very young Joju yes. George. I was like, I was, and the first scene where I, we see him, I was like, looking towards Sorishkopi's back, I was like, is that a skinny Joju George? <laughs> And he must have been in his 20s at this time uh, this movie came out. And, you know, it's 2007. It's fairly still a low period for Malayalam movies. And you, uh, it's to see these actors who are going to have much bigger careers in, you know, the next decade or so. It, it's kind of, it was kind of thrilling for me in that way. Yeah, and the first time I didn't know who he was, because this was probably about 10 years ago when I would have seen it on Asianet the first time. But this time I was like, whoa. Look, so we we get our we get our joys in some of these films in the oddest corners, and you get Madhubal playing another rando creep in this movie as well. And, and and I also did the same thing. I was like, is that a shaven Madhubal? I've never seen him without a beard. Yeah, he's one of the this group of four doctors who are in one of the compartments in their train that you know basically they have to come up with their own st- version of the truth about what happened that night any other thoughts about this movie i didn't i i i feel like saying that this is an agatha christie movie ha- like kind of encapsulates everything i felt about it there's a lot of tropes you kind of like have very familiar beats no songs as far as i can remember was there a song there might have been one Okay. It would have been one at the most, but yeah, it's not like you're not you're not going here for for songs. But the reason I I did want to watch it was be, buzz because that you've got you know the female actor as having some of the action in this, which which rarely happens. Yes, absolutely, and I was I was surprised to see this in Kavya Madhavan's filmography. I think she's so she's so synonymous with these dopey crying female characters in Malayalam movies that to see her playing a character with age and you know not in a movie like Gadama where we, we've she's she you know that was very like I'm gonna do this as bait for an award to see her playing someone villainous to play see her playing somebody who is pushing the story forward is very interesting. I don't think she's a very good actress even in this. There's a lot of histrionics going on but it's still valuable to see her play a somewhat more manipulative character because when she's playing the not hysterical scenes, I think she plays a, a she has a real vibe of malevolence that I enjoyed. 
Well, and she's not the only one engaging in histrionics in this film. You know, there are a lot of, especially among the minor characters who I'm like, oh, I don't have the patience for you today. <laughs> so she's she's not alone in that. And it's not, you know, a fault to her that the whole film has been directed that way. But yeah, I, I mean, again, uh, you know, I, I was there more for her than I was for Suresh Gopi, to be quite honest. Yeah, and this is in a period of Suresh Gopi's career when he's a little bit dowlier and like he's he's a little chunkier and it feels like he's trying to um, recapture his glory days of the 90s. That's what a little bit of what this movie feels like, where we're, tr- where we're not supposed to find the appeal of him from this movie. We're supposed to like recall our affection for him from older movies and, and give him the benefit of the doubt in this movie. One of the questions I had was, is there a callback to Kashmirim in this? Because I'm going to yell spoilers again. In As we discover how he's related to Kavyamadavan's character, the encounter specialist comes in. He's wearing the same outfit as he is in, in Kashmirim, the, you know, the black. I wondered if that's a callback or if that's just, I'm reading too much. So um, Suresh Gobi has, pl- so that uh, black outfit is a black cat is the commando outfit. And he's played black cats a few times at this point. And I think they're all like kind of stemming from Kashmirim. So yes and no, I guess, is my answer. So it wouldn't have been unexpected for his career, but I might be reading a little too much into it. Yeah, I th- you know, there's, I feel like he's like, I think he's, he was even in a movie called Black Cat. So, so uh, I think it's part of his IPS black cat roles that he, you know, just like Mohila playing a character called Sunny is what we expect. Okay, the one thing I do want to mention is Sidiq. And his wig. <laughs> I saw you tweeting about it. See, I, I have this theory about Sidiq and his wigs. If he doesn't wear a wig, it's usually the film is really good. And the quality of the film will be reflected in how bad his wig is. To be honest, this wig was so bad, and I don't think the movie was as bad as the wig. So it falls down a little bit. Maybe it's just wearing a wig or not wearing a wig. But it's like, that wig was so bad. I feel like he showed up to get, like, uh, do English dialogue training with Suresh Gobi and, like, to wear that bad wig. It really, I was like, why? Why was this a thing in the 2000s? There's no justification for it. And... My own films have like a terrible history with actors wearing wigs. <laughs> like every time Prithviraj wears a wig, I'm like, man, like, who did that to you? Like, why didn't anybody say that looks terrible in Urumi, in like, in the Nindemoidi, in good movies, terrible wigs. So... Yeah, I mean, there's something going on in the wig department in Malayalam movies that makes them so outrageous. And, you know, you've seen Mamudi wearing terrible wigs, too. Oh, God, yes. Anytime somebody has wears, like, a like like a auburn-colored wig, it's, it's it, you know, it's about to get terrible. You have to give more money to your wig department. <laughs> That's what it boils down to. Or you have yeah. to stop annoying your wig department. <laughs> So I'm thinking of like all the movies where Siddiq doesn't wear a wig. Like I'm thinking of like Ustad Hotel. And I'm like, yeah, you're right, Kevin. Those movies like, because they're not here to like play any games with you. They're like, this is a middle-aged man. He has no hair. It's fine. That's what we hired him for. And stuff, whatever. Like he he was playing like a, I think he was like a Hadihadin type. Like that's what he, he was playing with the long hair and the white outfits. I think he was supposed to be like Heidi Hutton, guzzle singer. Well, he was he was a music musician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's the kind of character, maybe that's what the wig was about, but like <laughs> it, it could have been a nicer wig still. Like even Heidi Hutton's natural hair isn't that ratty looking. <laughs> oh dear. On that note, let's turn to our second actor today. The late Jayan, who... I actually have not seen very many movies of. I've never seen a movie of his. I am familiar with him because of the 2000s mimicry craze for him. And the the stance he does where he like spreads his arms, like his entire wingspan. And I thought that was like a joke or like he might have done it in one movie. But no, he actually does that like in all his fight scenes where he like spreads his arms wide. And it's unclear to me why that's the case. And obviously I know 
him from his punch dialogues the we are not beggars we are coolies and alavaladi shaji that's the other one i know so yeah the first movie we're going to talk about is actually a is once again not so much a jain movie as it is a prem nazir movie this is the first prem nazir movie that we're talking about and unfortunately actually let me take a little bit of a step back because you know i had been watching malayalam films for about 5 or 6 years before jain's name ever came up and i think it was on one of these news report things you know remembering the actor blah 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 and i started to go and look and i went like if you look at his wikipedia page you know that they, they they mention he was called the first action star of malayalam cinema regarded as the first action hero and i went where is this dude and i went looking for films and at that point i could find nothing and then when i was reminded of him again when katapanayele ritikroshan came out mm-hmm. because sidik again <laughs> plays a character who is a huge fan of him and that's when i started looking again and at that point there was a little more information about him and then almost a year ago november 2020 there was a news article about angadi that scube films who have who have been via their youtube channel have been sort of i won't say restoring because it's not true restoration but they've been upgrading the quality of the, of various prints that they hold the rights to and putting them online and they did a big deal they did a trailer for it they released the we are not beggars we are coolies dialogue and they were going to put angadi on their youtube channel and then they didn't so i don't know what happened to it because i would love to see this film but sort of that's how that's how i've ended up coming to him and then when i started getting access to a lot of prem nazir films by places like hotstar there was jan so that's the roundabout way of getting to the film we're going to talk to prabhu again i watched it without subtitles so I, i'll let you do the the summary Prabhu is a very masala plotline about a lost son and family revenge that they start off with uh the the hero when he's a little boy and you know his father dies and the most part of the story is kind of about him finding out who he is and getting revenge on the man who killed his father and the little boy grows up to be prem nazir and jayan's character is kind of a associate of the villain who gets turned around to prem nazir's side and so prabhu is played by prem nazir and jayan's character is called vishwan there is also seema who plays prabhu's love interest slash his mother's foster daughter there's a lot of complicated family connections in this movie jayan's mother ends up being somebody that also the villain kills at the beginning of the movie so there there's a this is actually also a gangster film so there's there's a certain amount of smuggling and like land mafia things going on and basically it's about how two, these two heroes gang up to save the day uh, against the villain and their mom is played by Kavir Punama who is like 40 years younger than Prem Nazir probably Kavir Punama I know the the minute he called her mother <laughs> I went wait what because I had missed that bit I couldn't figure out who he was without the subtitles but I was like wait she's your mother Kavir Punama has been playing mother to like heroes since she was apparently 19 or 20 and i was like the audacity of these men to cast her as and like when i first saw her in the early scenes you know where the hero still a young boy and she's his mother i was like oh my god she's she's there she is young kavirupanama she looks so cute i hope she's the sister or something no <laughs> she turns out to be his mother yeah she's, oh, she's really gorgeous. beautiful i was like oh i mean she's 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 beautiful as an older woman too but but boy she was really lovely i don't understand why she didn't get cast for a heroine roles instead of mother roles because you know i then i went back to read her wikipedia and it's, it's like she started playing mother to heroes since she was 20 and maybe it's just you know she didn't want to like 
play have to play the wife of like these older dudes maybe there's some benefit to just being the mother you don't have to be sexualized like the heroine is Seema is extremely sexualized in this movie which makes sense she plays a bar dancer and like the mole of the villain but who's she's also claims that she's still very chaste to her brother when he when he goes after her for being a bar dancer but yeah she basically kind of tries to first get Prabhu to give up something that her villain boss has an interest in but then he's kind to her despite her holding a gun to him so she takes a liking to him and then there's a bunch more songs where she does sexy dances too and this is maybe the first time I feel like I've seen Prem Nasir dance like he and Seema do a full-on like group dance with uh, background dancers and I, I was like that's something I've never seen and I think this you know the kind of like group dancing might be uh, since the advent of color cinema so it, it kind of makes sense that Prem Nasir didn't do it in his earlier films I just never imagined him dancing in my life so he, he he's like Mamudi he's not a dancing actor exactly that stood out for me as well I think it's really unfortunate that this is the first Prem Nasir film we're talking about because I mean he is he's what in his early 50s at this point and I mean there's the wig oh yeah there's a huge wig it's very tall but it's not as bad as Siddiq's wig Whatever technology was in the uh, 1978 or whatever this movie was made in, it yep. was a lot better than Siddiq's wig. Because I, lo- I love some of his films from the 60s, particularly where he's par- paired with Sheila. Because they're just, they're like, you know, those 60 films that are so naive and sweet and funny and fluffy and, you know the plots are really insubstantial. And I love that. I think those are the films I like to watch sort of in between because they they just cheer me up. And I think it's unfortunate to see him at this stage. And we've talked about Mohan Al-Mamuti and we talked about actors aging. And, you know, we're seeing this again in this film because to have him... And truthfully, the only place you're going to find Jayan films with, with subtitles are going to be these films where he was, you know, he starred alongside Prem Nazir in the 70s. So I think it's kind of, and I think it's unfortunate for Prem Nazir as well, because when you, when you look at Jan in this film... He's young, he's, he's still vibrant, and so the action scenes, it's, it's very clear to see that, you know, Jan was very famous for doing his own stunts, so he's, like, you can see his face in the shots where he's doing stunts, and Prem Nazir is just, like, flailing his arms to beat people. <laughs> and, like, they're just standing there and, like, do a circle every time he hits them. <laughs> And it's obvious when he has to do anything more than that, that it's a stunt yes. double. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a film in which he's done his own stunts beyond the arm flailing. Which, I mean, that's okay for me up to a point. But it's really, when you see what Jayan is doing, and again, you know, coming back to what I said about Suresh Gopi, I mean, here you have another actor with a definite demeanor, a definite screen presence. I find him very charismatic to watch, even when he's, you know, given a smaller role alongside somebody like Prem Nazir. Like they do that thing in the beginning. He has sort of a low budget Mission Impossible Mm -hmm. thing Mm -hmm. to steal the the statue. And like, even though it was so corny, I was actually glued to the screen watching him do it. Like he was very invested in that. I think because I knew that he does his own action scenes, I was also looking to see like, oh, is he the one climbing the rope? And it was because the shots were like of him climbing up. And I mean, unfortunately, he he passes away um, later because he does his own stunts and he's so committed to doing his own stunts. And I think that's something he brings real value to in this movie is, is the action part of this movie because he's kind of, his character is, doesn't really need to be there <laughs> like there's there's nothing that in the plot that requires him to be there this movie could have entirely been like Prabhu doing the same thing but I think they specific you know we see this even in Mamuti Mohila movies of the 2000s they always add a younger hero to like do the dancing and like the the like action part of it because you know like the main hero can't bend his knee to like even give a good kick so so that's that's the role Jan serves in this Yes, he's he's a second hero in this, and he kind of has a love interest, but she gets married and goes away, so he doesn't even get to really romance as much as Prem Nazir does. And Prem Nazir does a lot does a lot of romancing in this movie, which is kind of his forte. 
It is, but again, it's it's this point where the heroines are now getting younger yes. and younger, you know, and <laughs> the actress playing his mother is 20 years younger than he is. I find that incredibly sad because I said, like, I, I enjoy his movies from the 60s. The movies from the 60s, I can see, you know, he's kind of got that matinee idol look and I could see why he was popular. I always get sad when I see, see sort of people at this point in their career. And but, but it also has me asking the the question. I mean, and here's a question we cannot answer. Like, what would have happened if Jan had survived, you know, that the accident where he was doing the stunt for his film? It would. It's so interesting to think because his career was so short, less than a decade, really. And what kind of actor would he have been in? new generation movies, you know, like how would our directors today have reinvented him as they've reinvented, you know, Suresh Gopi in in, uh, newer movies, you know, the rough guy getting soft type roles. You know, I will say this about Jayan that when he plays uh, romance, there's, you know, like when he's imitated in mimicry, like his his when his romance often has like a lascivious tinge to it it's not like a pure prem nasir type romance right and so that is something like that i felt this movie didn't um i was like oh that's like a different version of of jay and then i've seen in in romance before and prem nasir even though i've seen movies of him in the past Whenever he does his, like, he folds his hand while he's talking to a woman, it always, like, feels like Jeram is imitating him rather than I'm watching him. And I think so much of my experience of this movie was colored by the people who have imitated them in my lifetime. And I kept, like, I kept waiting for Prem Nazir to, like, give uh, Seema a little pat on her butt like he uh, Jeram always does in his imitation of him. So, in that way, this movie was a bringing alive of the tropes. <laughs> One of the things that I found when I was reading, though, was this idea that when Jan died, there people did feel there was there was this suddenly this huge gap in the industry and tried to fill it with imitators. One of the things I read, and I don't know if it's true or not, was that one of one of the people they tried to fill the gap in was a very early Mamuti. Oh, interesting. So like doing action? Yeah, I don't I couldn't find any more than that brief reference, but it was like because and when Mamuti was really early in films using Sajjan instead of his own name. I, that that's an idea that kind of fascinates me. I'm not sure if that's true, but I but I can see that there was suddenly this gap that people wanted to fill and didn't know how to fill. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's kind of the role he's playing in this movie, too. Like, we, we're kind of at the, like, the twilight of Prem Nazir, and, like, they're trying to find, like, the next hero who can take it forward. And I'm sure it was such a shock to the industry to have the person who's supposed to be the torchbearer of that period, you know, die in this very tragic accident. And it kind of makes sense, all the the kind of ghost of Elvis type stories that are around Jay and that he's still alive, living in America or something like that. And also the definite difference in style between movies we've seen seen in the even in the early eighties to this movie, so much is still on a sound stage. You know, we see like we see like paintings of like coconut palms uh, in the background that is supposed to yep. represent the neighborhood. And the acting is less stylized in this than than the movie we're gonna talk about next. But like you see at people talking in a very artificial way that's still very like staged. Um, like from the theater drama world, you know, the, uh, Brahim Nasir famously has a very artificial way of delivering dialogues that comes from his theater background. And there's a little bit of that in this movie, too. That was actually something I was talking with, with Rob about last night was this. I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend a Prem Nazir film to someone who doesn't have a lot of experience with old film. And that's including like Hollywood film, where you you do have these people coming out of theatrical backgrounds. And you don't have yet the emergence of real naturalistic acting. I find them fun any, anyway, despite that. But it is it is a, a style in acting that if you're not familiar with it, you might find off-putting because it's very formal. And Jos Prakash plays the villain in this. And Jos Prakash is kind of famous for playing villains in Malayalam movies. My um, sister-in-law actually went to college with 
his grandson. And so any, every time he grew a mustache, everybody would yell, there goes Joe's Prakash. <laughs> so the, he's such a familiar face that even, you know, people now who, you know, who were very recently in college are very familiar with him. And so he's playing once again to type. Um, he, he's, he's got a lascivious note to him as well um he's a very doting father also in this movie yeah so th- th- this this movie is like a bundle of familiarity in a lot of ways so let's move on to the last film yes shut up on Jim. if you watch a little bit of this you begin to think the, just like the Nadia feels like an Agatha Christie movie, you immediately think, this is based on some 19th century European novel, isn't it? And it is based on Lady Chatterley's Lover, but it could be The Awakening. This could be like Madame Bovary. It could be any of those movies where a rich young woman cheats, which is what basically the crux of this movie is. Jayan plays the lover, and Sheila plays Lady Chatterley. And the movie, it's, it has more artistic merit, I will say, than Prabhud necessarily does. But Jayan just hams it up in this movie. Just absolutely. He is just playing a lascivious creep throughout. I, I hate to say I loved it, but I did. <laughs> Although I'm, I, this, is, this is one actually I would love to have with subtitles and, and do a write-up. But also because it was a familiar story, I understood a lot more of what was going on. What I really loved sort of in the in the first part of the film is, you know, the, the idea that it's dealing with a female gaze and it's dealing with a woman who, I mean, her husband is impotent and she turns to the stable boy for, you know, physical satisfaction. Unfortunately, she gets punished for it. <laughs> and that's sort of the back half of the film where she ends up marrying Jayan's character and he turns out to have only been there for the money. Yeah. There's so many scenes in the first half where Sheila's just staring at him lustfully from her balcony while he like famously there's that scene that every I'm sure a lot of people have seen of him like folding his back muscles as he rubs down the horse in very tiny shorts. The sh- like the hem lengths of the this movie was astounding. I was like I have never seen such tiny shorts and tiny skirts in my in Malayalam movies. And a lot of cleavage And a shots. lot of cleavage shots. This is a very horny movie. Yeah, I was I was actually really <laughs> surprised by it. And it's and it's very you, know, you talk about Jayan hamming it up, but is it's also this idea and it's not an action movie until right at the very end, really, where we get some action thrown in. But it's this action star idea of a kind of a heightened masculinity a kind of a man's man he's arrogant he's physical so it's sort of interesting to see that transferred into a very non-action film yes he's he's into hunting you know the gun is a constant like you know it's very definitely a Chekhov's gun thing happening in this movie horses that horse the horse is literally a stand-in for Jayan's character so every time his stepdaughter beats up on a horse or a picture of a horse it's because she's angry at him and so like you know we we have the uh, tying masculinity to virility to you know like a stallion the, you know the, these kind of ter- turns of phrase that we have and so he represents that kind of toxic masculine ideal that we often see 19th and early 20th century heroines in uh, European literature get drawn to you know away from their boring steady husbands and so that is kind of what happens to Sheila's character and she she as soon as she, he find she finds out that he's cheating on her he's spending her money however he likes he is you know having his mistresses over at the house where her daughter uh, from her first husband lives so she doesn't feel like she uh, you know it's a good place for her daughter so she, she sends her away to boarding school the child grows up extremely resentful of her mother and her stepfather and you know she's out partying with her boyfriend and her male friends who which includes Shankar Shankar plays one of yes, I wrote that Shankar plays one of his friends um I was kind of hoping that Ramesh was also somebody I the boyfriend was also played by somebody I, I know but no it was, it was Shankar was in the background and I was like 
it's really nice to see actors in their early early roles and and so once again a a boy who has vengeance to seek comes back into their life and tries to take out Jayan but at the end of the day it's still the female characters who are who drive the story and the Chekhov's gun goes off in spoiler alert Sheila's hands because she's the one who brought this problem into their lives and she's the one who's going to take it out yeah and there's also a very I don't even know how to how to talk about it Um, when Jan's character confronts the young man who the daughter is interested in it's extremely homoerotic that's what you're talking about I know Rob was actually watching at this point with me and they start stripping (laughs) ripping their shirts off and I'm like and he was like what I'm left speechless by this this particular scene where, you know, if you're going to have a man-to-man fight, you have to take your shirts <laughs> off and go at it. As I said, this is a very horny movie. <laughs> and, like, on all sides, they're, like, the gaze objectifies everybody, basically. Yeah, I was watching it going, this is something I've never seen in Malayalam movies before. <laughs> and, I, you know, that horse scene also gets, like, made fun of a lot. It gets played... As a, as a, like, desperate housewife situation, right? But in the movie, it's very serious. Like, her gaze and her desires are taken very seriously. And I respect that about this movie. Yes, she gets punished, but it doesn't feel like a lot of people except her daughter blame her for cheating. I mean, her, bro- her brother also blames her. But it doesn't feel like the servants judge her that much. It, it just feels like they sympathize with her. Yeah, no, it was, I mean, you know, despite what, I mean, whatever you might think about some of it, it is interesting to consider as a film. Yeah. Have you ever seen the um, Madame Bovary adaptation with Shara Khan? No. I think it might be from, I mean, I, I think it's definitely like a is that like Maya Memsab? Yes, Maya Memsab, yes. Oh, no, I have not seen it, but I know of it. Okay, yeah. There are lots There are lots of pictures of Shah Rukh Khan out there on the internet that I don't know if they're actually from that film or what, but... Yeah, so I kind of wanted, like, thinking... I was thinking of going back and watching it to see if, how it treats female sexuality versus, you know, this movie, because... Yes, they're different movie. They're different stories. Like they're adapted from, but in my mind, they're all like AP English books about women cheating. <laughs> so inevitably, the woman has to pay for her like going with her desire. So I'm. I think this that is a worthy sidebar to if you if anybody ever wants to look at another movie. I'm just sort of trying to think how we can sum up right now. Because it's, I mean, it's it's challenging. I think the biggest challenge is when you have the two names who are most associated with action in Malayalam cinema, how little of their actual action is available to someone beyond the diaspora, to someone, to someone beyond a Malayalam audience, basically. I think there's a big gap that the industry needs to fill. I hope, you know, we get some new businesses that come up that, as you said, the, the, the channel that's pseudo-restoring the movies, I think there's a lot of room for these movies to be restored. My only thing is, every time you look for these movies, they always show, like, the quote-unquote naughtiest part of the movie in, like, the screenshot, and I'm like, and you kind of don't want to click on it, because <laughs> I don't want that to come up on my YouTube history, <laughs> and um, that is my only issue. I wish there were channels and and vendors who are treating this movie as art as not as just like <laughs> check out the horniest clips from your youth yeah yeah that turned up a lot when i was searching for for clips from this film to see if i could share some and people share the the things that are the maybe the most shocking about the film and they're certainly shocking in context but they're not yes in that context they're they're not they're not what these people are making out they are. Exactly. I think that's what I learned because I was kind of, because I had known, I knew about that like horse cleaning scene. I was like, what is this movie going to be like? And it's a lot more than that. The most shocking like bits you get on YouTube. It's definitely about sexuality. It's, uh, you know, as I said, but 
it's a full story. And uh, if you were going to the movie theaters in that period, you would have gotten the whole story. You wouldn't have just gotten like the Saudi barely covering your chest shots that I think probably the, the, the movie posters and YouTube screenshots portray. So I would say that take these movies... I think they're part of Malayalam cinema's heritage, and I, w- I really encourage people to check them out as part of, you know, Malayalam cinema's continuing dialogue with, with the society it's part of. And, you know, think about what these movies represent and the time period it came from. And especially seeing Sheila in this kind of role when all I've seen her is is in those very innocent 60s movies as the woman who is slurred against but she's completely innocent to play see her playing a character who's not so innocent was fascinating yeah for me for me too because again I I go back to those early films with Prem Nazir which are very cute and very sweet for the most part and I think she hasn't done a lot of work lately but the few bits she's done I've seen her as a much more interesting actress than I would have expected having seen those those, you know, films from the 60s. So I agree. This is this is a really interesting role for her and I would almost watch this more for her than for Jan. Yeah. Un- unfortunately on, on a theme where we're talking about him, but No, I well, you know, coming back to it, it's interesting to me how much more sexuality is laced into movies in the 70s and 80s than I think even they are now. <laughs> no, that's very true. That's very true. It's surprising to me because I did not watch these movies growing up that the, that Malayalam cinema has a much more... I mean, you know, you, you do know about like Tuvana Tumbigal and um, all these other movies. But they're held up as Padmanajan and like art films and like, yes, they talk about like human sexuality, but they're, they're art. And uh, to see these movies that have such a like erotic undertone is, I'm like a little shocked. <laughs> it's like finding out, you know, your parents are having sex, that kind of thing. Like, <laughs> like it's, 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 oh, oh my God, <laughs> I'm scandalized. <laughs> Truthfully, I was a little bit. But I think I've I've been I've become so inured to it watching films where this is not this is not happening for the most part. And you know, I mean, the Jan movies is, we're taking as a whole are probably like we're t- talking a little bit more about their under, erotic undertone than I don't think Sudesh Gopi's movies have that much of an erotic <laughs> undertone. It's definitely no. about the English dialogues with him. Yeah, I I wonder if uh, movies like I wonder if people in the seventies ever took their family to th- see this movie because you know there we historically have not had much of a separation in terms of what's a what's a movie that you can go see with the whole family versus the, you know maybe this is just for the adults and I'm wondering if like people went to see Shadowbunjerum in the theaters with their family and they were like oh <laughs> this is not what we thought it was gonna be. <laughs> We were expecting a different kind of action. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> maybe I'll ask. Maybe I'll, I mean, like, my parents are alive in, in this time. My mom never watched movies growing up. You know, Syrian Christians had a very, like, films are sinful type attitude. And, and I, think that, I think it took a while into the 70s and 80s for them to not feel like movies are a source of sin. We went from action heroes to morality tales. Yeah, uh, yes, absolutely. Shadow Benjamin is definitely a morality tale. So that kind of sums up what we've done today. And next time, we're going to take a leap into the future. Yes, to very, um, I would say, Malayalam Industries' latest best attempt at doing action, which probably <laughs> is still not that, uh, that, not that great, but you know. We're on this path doing a very niche genre in an industry that's not known for it. And it's been an interesting journey. It has. It has. So maybe we'll leave it there and and hope people will come back next time to learn more. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Poland and Empathy podcast. If you like what you're hearing, remember to come back for our next episode and share our podcast with your friends. If you'd like to connect with us, you can email us at polandidapati at gmail.com or reach out to us on our Twitter feed at polandidapati. See you next time.